say for example, God forbid, I don't know, I'm just going to use Tim as an example. Tim suffered an injury. Sorry, Tim. What advice? Like, oh, so I really appreciate it. In Paralympics, every single person has got a different story behind them. I don't think it'll be one Paralympian you meet and be exactly the same story. It'd be very real. When you get told the word, you'll never walk again, mm. your mind just goes, well, well, well what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Was it Tom Matthews and uh, Lee York? Lee, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Cheers, cheers, boys. Um, well, this is partly Tom's idea because I was because Tom's obviously listened to a few of the episodes and he was like, "Will you get me on, Dave?" I was like, "Yeah, actually, be a good idea to um, talk a little bit about um, disability and stuff." Like, we don't we don't really have an agenda. That's the point. Like, with me and Tim are just like. Oh, I don't personally. I don't know if Tim's got a few pre-prepared questions, but I have absolutely nothing. I'm just going to waffle on and, and have a little chat with you. No, we have kind of played it, but we have kind of played it by ear, haven't we? Overall, so far, um, it is a kind of a little pet project. We we do want to kind of take it to the next level. So this is kind of like the last episode of kind of the first series. We've had a fair few on a lot of table tennis players. Kim's been on. Will Bailey's been on. But you know, we've had Ellie yeah, Simmons. I was who... having a listen before I came on. But yeah, it was good. I listened to yours, Will, uh, Will's, Ellie, and a few others. Before I came. Don't worry, mate. You can slag it off. Plus, <laughs> <laughs> Tim, Tim's incredible at editing. So if you say anything bad, uh, you know he's done his, his job. He's, he hasn't done his job properly. So, yeah, uh, trust I'll try if to. If he listens to anything bad on it, that's Tim's fault. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, right, like, Ellie kept just flirting with uh, David for like. An hour, so that was that was that chat gone. <laughs> right, you're editing that bit out. That's for a start. That's <laughs> <laughs> good. Now, I thought, no, I was, I was chatting to Tom. We're gonna we're gonna chat a little bit about disability. We're, well, we're not gonna keep long because obviously you can waffle on for ages. But um, quick twenty minutes. I don't know. Just talking about. Um, I don't know because I, I I feel like definitely myself. The more people are surrounded by chatting about disability, the less of a stigma it is. And like, it's all education, really, isn't it? I think you know, especially Tom. You've played a really good role in. And a lot of things with that, like for a lot of people, chatting about, you know, I guess for me personally, being a Paralympian and having a disability myself, it kind of gives me a little bit of a, uh, uh, what do you call it, a free, not not a free ride, a pass to be able to ask some difficult questions to you guys. But I really appreciate you coming on and maybe chatting a little bit about maybe before life, before your injuries and, and disabilities, what even happened, and then kind of mentalities, how how you did struggle as well. Because I think it's probably quite a quite a traumatic time for you and you don't really want to be talking about it but I really appreciate you um, and, and uh, obviously maybe I'm, maybe I'm not allowed to ask those questions I know you can tell me to shut up but yeah no, I, I, don't, I think you're with on the head but like a lot of people are scared to ask us questions because we're in wheelchairs and stuff it's only really you're going to ask them questions when you're out drunk and stuff like that they'd be like well what happened to you man but, well, it's kids isn't like, it it's kids most of the time I get it as well like yeah, what they're yeah. like that guy like, like you know what I mean I think I can probably speak for me and Leo that we're not scared to talk about it like We've been yeah. from where we've we've done this, so I think this is where the idea stemmed from. That we set up this podcast was when you mentioned um, in the Kim podcast about uh, this pandemic and the things we're going through now, the, the lockdowns, the struggle. Where I said to you about it's not as much of a struggle for people in wheelchairs because we kind of done it before when we had our accidents. We were stuck in hospital for like eight to nine months. So it's like we kind of used to this kind of period yeah. I don't know if that's the same view Leo I don't know if I'm speaking for us all but see I think it's a bit different for me because obviously it's all still relatively new um, I mean I've, I've not even been in a wheelchair three years um, we'll change that in a bit I guess I bet you 
I'll, I'll get you guys to explain a bit of your your past and your your story a little bit, I guess. But yeah, sorry, crack on. I've just gone over you there. No, no. Uh, what I found is that when I first first obviously came out of hospital and I got the experience, I found a lot of people didn't talk directly to me. They spoke to whoever I was with. Is Lee all right? Is, does Lee need anything? Or do you know what I mean? And I found the best way to break the ice is to talk about your injury. That is the best way to break the ice because then the other person doesn't feel awkward. I find the other person that it wants to communicate with you, wants to ask you questions, but doesn't know how to ask the question. Wherefore, if they just ask the question, it's out in the air, the ice is broken, and everything just flows a lot more better. That's the way I found it, anyway. Is that like quite frustrating a lot as well to hear that from it's people? It's frustrating when people don't talk to you. They kind of. Ask the other person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've, it is frustrating, but I've got to the point now where you have to kind of learn to accept that, if you know what I mean. Are you, I'm running like first to go around. Go on, Dave. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. C- crack on, mate. You're the one yeah, saying I'm just, uh, I'm just waffling on, kind of. Just in, I'm, yeah. I'm intrigued more than anything because I, I know I've had these conversations with you in the past, but um, yeah, really. I don't know for you, Lee. Really. Like when I first came to hospital, like we had days where we'd go into the city. Like I was in Rockwood in the hospital in Cardiff. And we go into the city for like a rehab kind of session, just going around the city and pushing your chair, basically. And I used to find people used to stare at you a lot. I don't find that now, but I think I was more conscious of it when I first had my injury. I don't know. Yeah, but did you find that you was looking for people to stare at you? Because that's what I did. I, I was kind of yeah, looking yeah. people It's probably more it. that. Yeah, it's probably more that. I, I can kind of get where the people are coming from. Like, it's intriguing to see someone in a wheelchair. But yeah, you're probably right. You're probably looking for it more. We're now we're more used to it, I guess. See, I kind of, when I came out of hospital, I, I noticed that, but then I kind of, you get used to the surroundings, but then I, I, when you take yourself out of that surroundings, and I you go on holiday, and then you try and get into the swimming pool, and obviously you, you're flopping across the floor to get into the pool, and then obviously then people are starting to stare at you again, but that's obviously now you've taken yourself out of the comfort zone, and that's what I noticed. You kind of, people don't always look to think like, watching you they kind of oh, do, I, do they want to help you or they think it's amazing that you, you're still trying to do things even though you've got that disability wherefore I kind of look at it, the negative side of things oh they're looking at me because they're laughing or because do you, you get what I mean when that's, yeah, that, that's, that's what I used to think at first yeah but now obviously you're sharing a different life being in a chair a bit longer how long do you reckon that mental kind of adjustment period like lasted for you before you kind of really kind of accepted it and this was like you know, you, you stop kind of noticing people who staring at you kind of thing. Uh, for me, personally, I think it... it mine got... It's I, I, longer for you, Tom, isn't it? How, how many yeah. years since your injury? It's, since my injury is 2009, so I'm nearly 10, 11 years. That was a mountain bike thing, wasn't it? Yeah, so I used to race down the mountain bikes um, at quite a decent level. I wouldn't say I was great like that. Um, yeah, it was in 2009 when last run of the day and uh, hit the jump I mean it didn't want to and uh, my back wheel caught the landing and kicked me off the handlebars and broke my neck in C5, C6 So how long how long were you in hospital for? I was in hospital for about 7 to 8 months uh, I went to French in Bristol first which is closed now um, I had my operation there then I got transferred to the Heath um, two weeks after that I spent two weeks in the Heath in Cardiff uh, and then over to the rehabilitation centre, which is Rockwood Spinal Cord Injury Hospital in Cardiff. It's, to your guys, it's a perfect chance to be at the NHS here, isn't it? Absolutely world class oh, chance. 
Yeah. Mate, well, well, okay, we wouldn't be late, would we? And, yeah. like, if that injury happened, let's say, America or somewhere else in the world, we'd be paying for, for the rest of our lives for that operation, which we are very, very lucky to have the energy. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, so the, the time scale for you is, a, a, and then obviously, Lee, you, you're a little bit little bit uh, more recent than that, aren't you? Yeah, mine was a little bit. Um, I just got back from holiday. i literally just been in Florida. Um, and then I uh, I was at work. I fell uh, 30 foot at work to the bottom of the ship. I worked on a container ship, fell 30 foot to the bottom of the ship, broke my back, uh, T10, T11. Uh, I was laid there for a long time while they actually took the cargo off the ship. I got craned off the ship got put in an ambulance, went to Hull Royal. I was there for a, a week. I don't really remember a lot of that. Um, I was there for a week, and then I got transferred to Timberfields, and I was basically in hospital from May to September. So, yeah, nice. Pretty... Well, this is the interesting thing. Sorry. Sorry, yeah, well, Tim, Tim hasn't heard that story before. Like, obviously, I've, I've heard it before, and like, I remember when you first told me, I was like, God, yeah. So, I was about to say that this is the interesting dynamic, isn't it? Where David, you were kind of born with a disability with MED, and then Tom and Lee, you were kind of you've had your disabilities through accidents, and yet you've yeah. ended up in the same in the same sports team representing your country. Really, it's pretty. Yeah. S- well, Lee, Lee, you actually played you played you were very sporty before, am not you? Uh, what's your yeah. What's your kind of like? Did it from a sporting point of view? I guess mentally. I think being being like I've always said like my disability shapes my mentality and like being born with it wasn't necessarily a bad thing for me because it really made me kind of grow into being like quite mentally strong I think um, whereas I think sport gives you that anyway and I think I don't know how, from your point of view like how's your mentality changed pre-accident compared to what it is now post-accident uh, personally I, I, I think I took a lot of things for granted before I had my accident um, I, uh, I played football to a pretty good level um, for Scum Fort United and then I uh, then basically I was I did my full three three year PGA degree as a golf professional so I was a golf professional for about eight nine years um, and then I just basically just wanted to do something different take away self away from sports and obviously then I started working on the docks and I loved it but if I hadn't I've had sport again after my accident I think I would have fallen into a big state of depression I think I've, mm. I've I've needed the sport. I've, I've I've been very fortunate that I've got a new girlfriend and stuff like that. But I'm the type of person that if I didn't have a goal or something like that, I think I would have just self yeah. I was going to mention that. That's what, actually, you you played it well, mate. You you, you uh, oh, maybe I, <laughs> I'm joking here, but maybe I need to have a little accident and spend a bit of time in hospital because you managed <laughs> to bag your little nurse, didn't you? Well played, sir. Round of applause. <laughs> So you met your so you met your girlfriend in hospital then while you were there. Yeah, she was uh, one of the healthcare assistants at uh, the spinal ward, and um, there's your chance to pick her up now, mate. If she's um, she's going to listen to this back. If I if I hadn't had her, yeah, I'm I'm very lucky, very very fortunate. And the the biggest thing, right, when we we first got together, she kind of because obviously she works on the spinal ward, she kind of thought. Mm knew what she was getting herself in for to, to, to be with a spinal cord patient and then we was kind of like I relied on her and, and it went from being a girlfriend to kind of a carer really really quickly and it got it just got to the point where it was too much and then we ended up uh, kind of separating for a bit because it was just like I was relying on her to do everything and I wasn't doing anything for myself and 
basically it was the best thing I've, I thought at the time that like, my world had come to an end but it was the best thing that could have happened because it kind of pushed me to, to do things myself and it was getting to a point of like because like, I'm not on like the performance squad like these guys I was kind of just getting into table tennis and it got to a point where I wouldn't even go in the sports hall without kind of not literally taking it to the sports hall I just wouldn't do it and then it got to when she'd gone I didn't have a choice so I wanted to do table tennis I had to go myself and it was like the best thing in the world to do to be independent again. And then kind of once she'd seen that I started getting my independence back and I was doing things for myself and organizing my own life, she was like, right, that's the person that I, I wanted to be with initially, not to be a carer for, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And then that kind of brought us back together again. And yeah, now I was just took Sorry. Same for anyone, you need, you need like a reason to motivate you or reason to kind of oh, definitely, something definitely. to get up in the morning like and obviously for the three of us that's quite um, we set, share similarities in, in, in the tables and stuff so yeah I think um, Lee's hit something on the head there though like you know the, about the day and stuff like that I think that's the difficult thing obviously I'm single at the moment i got to get that yeah. hand in number. Um, but yeah, me too mate like, me too brother <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no it's, I think girls look great or even lads, like I shouldn't just single girls out. It goes both ways. They look at a person in a wheelchair and think, oh, I'm going to have to care for him. I'm going to have to do stuff for him all the time. It's not like that. Like, all right, for some people, I guess it is, but for most of us, we travel the world. And I think that's the opportunity sports give us as well. Um, Lee said the massive point is I've out to like him probably depress his state. And it's done the same for me. It's probably saved my life to sport. Um, but I just wanted to touch on that point that you're not going to have to care for someone in a wheelchair. Yeah. We I think, are quite independent, like, I guess. You, I forget that you guys are even in wheelchairs, genuinely. I think the more you're surrounded by disability, and that's why I really want people more to be open to talking about it, because, um, you know, like people, someone can walk in, especially in the village, like everyone's got disabilities in the private village or whatnot, but I think we're always surrounded by sport. Someone could walk in with prosthetic or walk in with only one arm or whatever or in a wheelchair you wouldn't even notice like there's times where you you think like 20 minutes later oh, oh sugar that guy's only got one arm do you know what I mean you just don't notice it because it doesn't define someone yeah you become very like, comfortable around everyone yeah. and they're with disabilities in place when you're around like different you know different people in different sports but you know there is one binding factor, and that is disability. It kind of breaks all the barriers down as well. And the fact that then you you know with, with you know sports at that level as well, um, you have an opportunity then to be on a world stage for you know things that able-bodied people would never ever get the chance to in terms of some of the stuff that you're doing out there. And I guess that's when disability gets to a level where people go, oh, this is absolutely bloody brilliant, and you should be proud of yourselves. Yeah, I think, yeah, well, like, Tom, obviously, you touched on it there, like, I think the sporting thing has got nothing to do with it, in my opinion, in terms of disability, and I think the dating thing really hits the nail on the head sometimes with, in terms of perceptions and kind of, like, what people actually think, because it is, it sometimes is difficult, because, you know, you, you do yeah, get judged I, and, and whatnot. I don't think, it's, just, it's not just the dating thing for me as well, though, I, I found initially that a lot of friends you still talk to him, but I found that there are a lot of friends kind of, not so much didn't invite you, but didn't kind of 
shade away you don't know how to accept it I guess like, yeah because they, they kind of think that, that they've got to change things or they've got to plan things more or they've got to organise things in order for me to come yeah, yeah. Uh, or, or do it wherefore like my best friend Leon he, he's He's never ever made me feel like I'm in a wheelchair. He's always at the time for me. Do you know what I think? And then once you actually realise that, yeah, it might need a little bit of planning, but it's not. It, you, you just adapt. Do you know what I mean? You just adapt to the yeah. situation. I quite lucky. I, I got a good bunch of boys. Like I, I've met them most of my friends since after my accident. Now it was only one or two that kind of stuck through. And I, I kind of understand. Um, like I, like you said, I still speak to the boys that I used to follow with back in the day on the bikes and that. But that's kind of difficult. Um, Sometimes it's difficult for people to like kind of adjust yeah. to that and kind of accept you being a chair. I, I guess they accept it. It's, it's, not, not like, it's not like it's, you can go mountain biking with them now, is it? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's hard for them to accept things at the end of the day. There is a, there is a um, kind of line. But yeah, the, the boys you're bothering now, like, they don't even think twice. They'll carry me upstairs and stuff like that. Clubs and, yeah, it, it's a good bunch. And I think people learn to accept it and just see... The disability is nothing this. Yeah, but what was, what was the like, Tom, when you first, before the first time you went out to to a club or whatever with them? What was, was what was it like? I don't know. We had to probably fell out my chair a few times. What was the time was, scale? I, bet, I get those kind of things though are key for your recovery. I guess aren't they? Just like time scale. I, well, as you know, Dave, I met a guy called Jim Monkley in hospital. This is how I got into Taylor Swift. So, yeah. so I mean, as well, touch on that now. Um, I met a guy called Jim Monkley, basically coming around the wards and Rockwood Hospital, and he was just like, oh, give up, get up and give a table tennis try, because it's probably the easiest sport to do in a hospital. You can kind of do it, you're not going to do archery in a hospital and start shooting bows and stuff. Um, so, yeah, we, I, I said no for ages and ages and ages, and I was just like, this guy was getting on my tits in the end, right? Yeah. So I got up, and I was like, right, they're going to give it a go. Fell in love with the sport. Couldn't get off the table. I think I kept him here until about ten o'clock at night, which is way too early, uh, at the time. So um, it went from one, it went from one end to the other, then essentially. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, sadly, he's gone now, and he's no longer with us. But he was like a father to me. He was like the same disability. So I'm a tetraplegic. Where I can, my hands are constantly like this, um, so I can't really use my hands. But he taught me ways of doing things um, with my disability that no one else could ever teach you. But what I'm just trying to touch on is that, like, I think. Mentally, it took me about two years to get over it. So I fell in love with the sport. I I played it for for six months, I'd say, even after I left hospital. And then I got my car, um, started driving around. Then I just started drinking, going out with the boys every weekend, like and just I guess trying to get back to normality. And just I literally binge drink so much uh, to a point where I was just drinking like Thursday to Sunday, most days really like kind of lost I guess but then I think the turning point for me was when I asked Jim to go back in 2013 years like look I gotta give us a serious try um, and I just watched you, you approached it with a different mentality that second time yeah I think I, I think I watched a bit of London and I was like Jesus that could be me I, I could be doing something with my life and that switched and I think that's what's so important about the Paralympic Games um, everyone I think the Olympics now is great but in Paralympics, everyone's got a different story. Like, every single person has got a different story behind them. There's not, I don't think it'll be one Paralympian you'll meet and it'll be exactly the same story. It'll be very rare. Um, mm. But yeah, I, I just wanted to touch on that. I think it took me mentally to get over it about two years. And it, yeah, I still get my days where I'm like, oh, what if? But yeah, yeah those days are very, very rare now. 
what say say for example, God forbid, I don't know, I'm just gonna use Tim as an example. Tim suffered an injury. Sorry, Tim. What advice like Oh cheers, thanks, any, really appreciate it. <laughs> really appreciate it. Sorry. Anyone who's struggling uh, with a disability or, or whatnot, like what would what advice would you give them if they're in the same kind of shoes? If they're really- My advice firstly, yeah, speak to someone. If you're struggling mentally, definitely speak to someone. Speak to someone who's yeah, close definitely. to you. Um, family is always a good bet. Um, and if sadly you haven't got any family, it's uh, they, if you definitely friends, if you haven't got that, I'd probably say some medical advice. Um, Make but, some friends. You, you can always, yeah, like you say, yeah, you've you made can, a load of friends since, since then. What yeah, for sure. Um, for some people, that's quite difficult, um, I guess, being in a wheelchair, but that's not the end of it. Um, there's a life after your injury. That's that's the main thing i got to say. There is a life after. Um, it's the way you kind of contract that mentally, I guess. If, you, if you're going to mope around about it, it's going to become more difficult. But if you get up and think, do you know what, I got something about me, I can go and do something big. And I think that goes for everyone in life. It's, it's not just people in wheelchairs that suffer mentally. It's able bodied people that suffer mentally. But I think being in a chair, you, you come become a bit more robust when you get into disability, I guess. So, and when so, you overcome it, I know it's quite cliche, but you feel like a bit of a superhero, really. It's like, so what? Well, I can do anything. That's resilience, isn't it? Yeah. I don't know if it's the same for you, Dave. Like, you touched on it. I think, yeah. obviously, you've been born with it. You've obviously, uh, I didn't have to. Oh, we've lost him. Oh, we've lost him a bit. But I'd done school. I think for you, probably on a different level, you might have had some bullying. Or, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it, it's, that's the point. I think it's a long kind of journey of mental growth and realization and everything which shapes you. And I think for me, that was a very long time scale, obviously. Like it yeah. was from when I was growing up, it was from being in school, trying to fit in. It's from, you know, almost pretending that you're not disabled like I never, I never really considered myself as disabled and like, like I say I always say that was a plus as well as a minus like you kind of especially going through your, your pubescent years and in your kind of like adolescence and you try like with dating and all that thing um trying to keep up with sports socially you know start going out with the lads like you said um it's a long journey of growth and realization not realization but acceptance and kind of being able to deal mentally with with your disability when, when yeah. for you but you're thrust into it you know when you have an accident i guess you were thrust into it and and like the thought of having to go through all of that immediately just like that you put into it like, i think uh, at the younger age like 16 it was probably easier to deal with than being older like i had no kids i had a girlfriend at the time which stuck with me through it all the way um and fair play to her like uh that end in the end um but that's what it is, but you've got to say fair play to her, like, we were only 16. So I think to take at that age, and mentally, yeah, it's a challenge. But like I said, you're more robust. And I don't think it's just sport that can go through it. So it, mm. having a routine to your day helps. Like, say we touched on Tim having an accident. God forbid you don't, Tim. Uh, Hopefully like, not, yeah. No, I said that. You can edit that out, Tim, mate. Yeah. yeah. It's a bit insensitive for me, but I'm just... But I'll, I'm I'll just let you know when it happens yeah. next. Yeah. But, yeah. But like, I don't think it's just sport against you for it. I think there's a there's a support network that you have around you and those friends, family, and wherever you can kind of yeah, see help. And, I, um, I, I don't know. I think me, I'll let you speak a little bit on that as well because I kind of took the forefront of that. So yeah, I'll let you have a little speak on Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, the, the best thing that I found was when I, I was actually in hospital and the first person that I saw in a wheelchair, um, I don't know whether I 
can name drop whatever, but he was Andy, a guy called Andy Warren. He played wheelchair rugby. He captained um, Great Britain for the World Cup. And I'd never met him before. And I think the fact that he was a, a similar age to me, he kind of showed me how to do a transfer straight away. And he, he was like giving me confidence. Oh, you can do this, you can do this, you can do this. Because obviously when you get told the words, you'll never walk again, mm. your mind just goes, well, well what, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Like, I'll never walk again. You'll never be able to go like to the toilet the same again. You know what I mean? All, all these things that you've got to learn. But then when you see somebody else doing it, that, that's similar age to you and somebody else that's made something of themselves in a similar situation, you can either say that one or two ways. You either think, well, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do the same. Mm. And if you, if you go like that, then you potentially could have a, a great, great life ahead of you. It's not an easy life. You're going to have bad days. You're going to have good days. And some of the bad days are, are really bad. As Tom, you'll, you'll know what I mean. Some of the bad days are, are horrendous. If you get a urine infection, they can knock you out for a week. Easy. But the idea is that the good days have to wear out the bad days. They, they, they just do. And when you see other people in a similar situation to you, right? To me, just talking to other wheelchair users, asking them what they do for certain situations, or how they get onto, how they do stuff when they're getting onto a plane, how they do stuff at home, how they cook, how they move pans around, or how they push the, the child on the on the knee when they're, when they're in a wheelchair and stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? I just learned from other yeah. wheelchair users. That, that is the best way I've I've found. That's what we're really talking about, it, isn't it? In a way, and I, I think us. The best bit, Romy and Lee, we both met someone like Lee. It was Andy, was it? You met? Was it Andy Warren. Andy Warren. Yeah, Andy Warren, you met. I met Jim Monkey, and they they probably both paved the way for us both to kind of mm. see the light and be like, oh, there is something after this. And you, like, you were showing me before, it's all over YouTube. I, I keep saying to you, Tom, you need to, well, and it opens to you as well, Lee. Like, you should, uh, you should start a YouTube or something, you know? Just to like, you know, what you're doing every day to day life. There's all over YouTube these days. I've got a few things I need to sort out first, but once once all that's sorted, then uh, then, uh, potentially. So how are the dynamics for all of you in lockdown at the minute, and how's that changed from, you know, normal life compared to this, especially being wheelchairs? I'm uh, I'm I'm waiting to get one of my house uh, house adapted so I can actually live in it properly. Um, So at the point, there was uh, me and my girlfriend, which were renting the place, her mum, her brother and her nana, which is on permanent bed rest at their house, and then her granddad at another house. So we were kind of buying food for three houses. So we've all, we've all moved into one house now. So there's like seven of us under one roof. So it's a bit Oh, a bit wow. Crazy. Happy families there. A bit crazy, a bit hectic. Um, but to be fair, we only have to buy one lot of food. We only have to cook once and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's, it's been different for me. <laughs> That's one way of putting it. It's been different. Yeah. <laughs> Tom, you're by yourself, aren't you? Yeah, I'm by myself, so it's kind of alright to be fair. I, I don't mind it. Like, obviously, you probably can see the table in the background. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Sport yes. stuff, so. You make me feel bad, mate. <laughs> yeah. I, I get to kind of keep a routine for my like weeks and stuff. I wouldn't train on weekends because I'm just chilling. But uh, yeah, I, I kind of like I said. I guess it goes back to the accident days where you were seven, eight months in hospital. Okay. Kind of gives you a lot of resilience to go through it mentally. I guess it's not as hard. Yeah, it's hard, but it's not as hard for I guess someone who's been through something kind of similar than yeah. actual people like oh, 
saying I'm going bored and stuff. I'm not bored at all. It's it's just one of those things that we're going to get past. It will go eventually. And every time, I, every time, every time I phone Tom, he's always busy. I was like, how can you be busy, mate? He's going for a push, yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah. I, also, I think it's just keeping, like I said earlier, a routine. Like mentally, uh, a routine kind of helps. And I didn't kind of finish the point on the ages thing. I kind of ages on the accent thing. Uh, where mainly are quite young, I'd say, mm-hmm. where we didn't have children and stuff. I think it's probably easier for us to get through accent. Where if you're a bit older, you're in your forties or something like that, you've got kids, got marriages. A lot of marriages break down after accent, and that's difficult to take. Um, but yeah. I, th- I think as a younger person, it's easier to get over accent than being older and thinking, I will readjust my life at 40 years of age compared to 16 to 20 or 30. I think you can kind of readjust and rebuild your life at a younger age than it is older age. Like and all of you now are on the same on the same sort of GB tennis team in that sense. Uh, just before. Table tennis team, come on. Um, I've just got a few quick fire things. So I have got a few things on a sheet um, because I. Are you, I think... are you right for time, guys? Quick, just because um, obviously you do have a yeah, kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got like eight minutes left of my Zoom um, free thing anyway, oh, so I've got to finish he's, off. Um, he's milking. Otherwise, for all you're worth. I've got to pay a hell of a lot. Um, so, just thinking about the GB table tennis team, I saw on like Instagram the other week that you eat. Well, some of you did um, like the the most athletic, the most, the best shot, the best forehand, the best backhand. I wanted to kind of go away from kind of what you do on the table and kind of go what you do off it. So who has the best, firstly, dress sense out on the team? <laughs> oh, I know who has the worst. All right, who, who's got the worst thing? Come on. Who's the worst well, I know what everyone's going to say who's got the worst, and that's definitely me. Because <laughs> I wear some nonsense. Uh... I did it for me. I'm, I'm not kind of on, on the performance squad, yeah. so this is stand down to you two. <laughs> Lee's, Lee's, development. Lee's coming away through, so uh, I'm going to say for dress sense, probably Ashley Facey because he takes a lot of time in that. Yeah, he's got good dress sense. I'll give him the yeah. I actually, I actually offered to pay Ash. I said I'd buy him lunch if he'd come shopping with me and be my personal shopper and tell me what's going on. Well, there you are. We've all I've actually done that to him, to be fair. So fair nice, nice. I like that. I like that. Well, all right. What about music taste? Billy's always the guy who puts the music on in the gym and it does my head in because not that he's got a bad music taste but he only ever listens to the same stuff over and over again doesn't he Tom yeah uh, he does listen to the same stuff um, which is my only criticism of him what kind of stuff so is it indie hip hop I'd go I guess Megan or Jack because yeah Jack's a lot he's got a lot of varied taste um, and Megan so they listen to Along various genres, so I had to go with them. I yeah. stick up with them. Okay, third one out of four. Um, funniest or least funniest, or somebody who thinks they're funny but then actually not, and they don't really know it. Uh, so, are we allowed to oh, broadcast God. this? <laughs> <laughs> um, How much um, blasphemy is going to be in this right now? Who's boring? Who's boring? No one's boring, mate. It's exciting times. So that rules out yeah. the least. We've actually got quite a good squad, to be fair. I don't yeah, know. There we go. And the guys coming up as well, like Lee and, and the guys like um, pushing us to like try and actually stay in the performance squad because they're going to take yeah. up. Like, 
For me personally, looking in, Dave likes to crack a joke, don't you? I do like to crack a joke, but doesn't mean doesn't mean I'm actually funny, mate. <laughs> um, yeah, we've got Dave with a uh, non-funny one, and uh, Jack is the funny one. No jokes. Oh yeah, just, right, right. Yeah, you've, yeah, Jack, you, you've hit it down there. Yeah, Jack's always got a joke through in the morning, like. Yeah, yeah. Jack is he's quite witty, and he's quite fast. He's hilarious. And uh, yeah. I've also seen uh, Mr. Perry as well, Martin Perry, he likes a few things yeah. on Facebook and whatnot. Tim, yeah, basically, I don't know what we're doing with these two wallies on here. We should have Jack on here instead, he's hilarious. No, Jack, Jack is class, though, he is hilarious, man. Nice, <laughs> nice, have like a dis- disability live at the Apollo, almost. I think every, I, that's the point, that you know in a squad, like... For me, coming in, looking in, it looks like a good, close-knit family in a way. Do you know what I mean? Everyone kind of yeah. gets along. Everyone helps each other out. And obviously, I'm not part of that yet, and I'd love to be part of that. And even, like, the pathway and the development and all that lot, like, Sean's doing an absolute great job of trying to mm-hmm. keep in everything. I mean, obviously, everyone's all over the country. You guys have all kind of located a little bit in Sheffield, and obviously in, in, in Wales, um, kind of all located in one. But for us, we're, like, in London. We're, like, in... in Middlesbrough yeah. we're all over the place but Sean kind of still brings the development squad the pathway squad kind of together and I just think throughout the whole thing it feels like a bit bit of a family and that's good I don't really think there's anybody that kind of doesn't help each other in a way well that kind of brings me on really to the last one um, so who because you guys do a fair bit of travelling um, as well with this who is the best or the worst traveller going abroad Will, he's scared of flying. Is he scared of flying? Yeah, you don't want to be standing on a plane. That's a hard question because I, I think we're all we're all equal now. I think we all kind of we all got our own things to do, and I think yeah. we do it well. Like no one's ever really left anything behind. Or anything. Traveling, traveling's a bit more of a. You have to think about traveling. For I do, especially like you know, with table tennis and trying to be in performance shape. I think travelling, yeah. It's knackering. Yeah. Like, I hate travelling. If think I had to probably... play like, the day after travelling, my level may be not as good sometimes because I'm knackered from travelling. I find, I'd rather, I feel like a day's training is less tiring than, than a day's travelling for me. Yeah. Do you agree with that? Yeah. yeah, it is tiring. Um, I think from just touching a wheelchair point of view quickly before we end this, yeah. it's like, if you're in a wheelchair, don't be scared to travel. It, it is possible to travel. There's an aisle chair you get transferred onto, you can have help, and it, it's easy, so don't be scared not like travel. Um, that's one thing I would like to touch on before ending this because a lot of people might be scared to travel if they're in a wheelchair. It's not impossible, it is possible. Mm. It is possible, you just gotta be honest. Well, not at the moment, mate, we're in lockdown, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when, when all this is yeah. over, yeah, in about a year's when time, you might be right, but now, but you know, yeah, yeah. That's one of the biggest right things now. I've noticed, though. You just you just got to be organised. That you've got to be organised in the wheelchair. You've got to make sure you've got got everything you need. Tom will know what I mean. You just need to make sure you've got everything you need and be organised, and then it just runs tickety boom. Do you know what I mean? It just goes. Fine, yeah. It becomes the normality. That's, yeah. that's what it becomes. Basically. Well, yeah, boys, new normal's reached, isn't it? Talking to travelling, yeah. I think our time is up on on this Zoom. Um, I think at the minute this is the danger of lockdown, but um, uh, being a real pleasure, and hopefully, you know what you said here, you know, will you know resonate with a fair few people out there, and uh, yeah, really, really great way to end our first series of uh, podcast, Dave. Thank you.